0: Hey, I'm Jeff Reed, I'm Craig Killian, and this is the From First to Last podcast. The last podcast. It's a podcast where my friend Craig and I we get together each week. We work our way through a director's theatrical filmography, from the first film all the way through to the last. And Craig, we're in our eighth season. Oh, yeah, I know. Wow. Every time I say
1: it, I say it every episode, but it just, it still, just blows it your mind blows a bit, not it? it yet. Eighth. Season. That's right. Like, seriously, I'm still waiting for you to say eighth episode. I'm like, oh yeah, it's our eighth episode. It's our twelfth episode of the season so uh, far, this Craig. Is so, holy shit, I and know. balls.
0: And only the uh sixth film. Oh, so we've know. had a lot of double episodes, but we're having a good time. A lot of party we? times. Yeah, it is. A lot of good times. So last week, Craig, we sort of had a little mini episode for people. Yeah, we did. A little bonus episode, little, little, so to little, speak. little Jack Skelly for you. That's all right, Nightmare Before Christmas. Skelly anyway. We had a great way. time. Yeah, it was a great time. It was brief, but that's all it needed that's to be. That's all it needs to be. Nightmare I mean, Before Christmas is only like an hour and ten minutes long. Exactly. You don't you want don't, something that's fucking longer than the movie That's shit. exactly right. That's exactly right. we've l- done before. Listen to our Quick in the Dead episode. <laughs> you can see it can happen, people. But <laughs> we kept it brief, but it was a... We we came to the conclusion last week that Nightmare Before Christmas, we were glad it wasn't part of Tim Burton's filmography. Yep. And I think today's film, Edward, is sort of, I don't know, for me, Craig, this is proof why it was a great choice. Okay. So, <laughs> it's funny. Oh, Are we, we going to be divisive on this one, are I we, just, Craig?
1: Okay. Okay. we we'll, does we'll just lead on to it. And oh, we'll get into geez. it when we get into it. What What a tease. <laughs> oh, gosh, Craig.
0: All right, well, let's see what's been going on for Tim Burton. Get on. Post-Batman Returns and post-Nightmare Before Christmas. Now, following the release of Batman Returns, Burton was still in the midst of overseeing production in a produced capacity of Nightmare mm-hmm. Before Christmas. At the same time, he also produced another film, Craig, which I'd never heard of this film, hmm. called Cabin Boy. Cabin Boy? <laughs> yes. It... Really blindsided me, this one. But initially, Burton was tapped to direct the film. But he was concerned that it was going to be too expensive to make. So he stayed on as a producer. And in a pretty hands-off role, which was... Uh, we, w- he was on a more of a hands-on role for this one, which was sort of a bit different to his, his yeah. involvement in Nightmare Before Christmas. Now, Cabin Boy is written by and stars Chris Elliott. Now... Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott would be the <gasps> ultimate death of an extra because he is a name that not many people would put to the actor's face, but his face is very familiar. And he is very well known something from... Something About Mary. Something About Mary. Yeah, yeah, his, I know Chris Elliott. His I comedic know this movie. Roles. I think
1: I've fucking seen it. Really? Yeah. And
0: I've written here, it's a perfect candidate for a death of an extra. Uh, he's been in comedies such as There's Something About Mary, where he played Woogie. Yeah. Groundhog Day. Wakowski too. He was in, <laughs> <laughs> he was in Kingpin, uh, and he's had recurring roles on television shows such as How I Met Your Mother, Everybody Loves Raymond. He was a dude with
1: the fucked up hand in scary movie. Yes, he oh, was.
0: Oh, he's so funny. And more recently, he's probably well known by people for his role in Shit's Creek. So, oh yeah,
1: yeah, 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 I used
0: to. So the idea of Cabin Boy, it's a fantasy slash adventure comedy. <laughs> About an arrogant man, played by Elliot, who after graduation, so we're talking a young Elliot, uh, is invited by his father to sail to Hawaii. His attitude and approach to life lead to a series of circumstances that see him board a different ship named the Filthy Whore. And together, they set sail for Hawaii. During the trip, they sail through a Bermuda Triangle-style tr- stretch of ocean yeah. where all sorts of trippy events start to take place, Craig. Awesome! And the events change Elliot's character and he becomes a better man by the time oh, he reaches as you shore. Would,
1: as you would. Psychedelics now, do that to you.
0: Understandably,
1: this film was not a success. <laughs> Poor Chris He's never been able to bring it in.
0: Oh, he's just... He's
1: a fantastic, like... um, Comedic timing. Like a fantastic, like, backup Like, He'll steal a scene. He'll steal a scene. Um, But you can't have too much of him when you just get the shit to him.
0: I just always think about him in that moment in something about Mary where he's, like, scratching his face furiously (sighs) and he, like, gets that funny voice and he's like, i was worried about you uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so fucking stalker <laughs> cabin boy was not a success it took 3.7 million dollars at the box office against a 10 million dollar budget and it was released Jesus. in 1994 the same year of edward now if there's enough demand if we want a patreon tier Ca- Craig and I will do a commentary on Cabin Boy oh, for the right price. Oh, God, no, no. <laughs> I
1: love it. Yeah, well, It should be free. Like, it'd be f- one of those free movies on all those shitty free movie channels like Tubi or some shit It'll like be on that. Tubi for it's sure. It's fucking on Tubi for sure. Or, or the bottom level of um, Amazon Prime, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> like next to a Sean Bean medieval fucking film. And just below the... Um, Blood Rank
0: 5. The, no, it's, <laughs> it's that documentary tier that says a real-life
1: mermaid. Oh, and yeah, oh it has like that freaky, God. like goblin-faced mermaid. Yeah, that actually, that actually, um, that real-life mermaid documentary actually fooled people out there. Really? Yeah, man. Like seriously, it's done as a serious um, thing, and there are people who th- still think it's serious, even though the guys come out and said it hasn't. Wow. But they said the government has forced him to. Oh,
0: is that what they say? Is it? I Alternative
1: remember- facts.
0: I don't know if you remember, Craig. I remember watching this growing up, and I really should do some research. I just haven't. Ever done it, but there was a documentary released and it would have been in the 90s. Yeah, and it was uh, Sam Neill directed it, so it was probably just after Jurassic Park. Yeah, where they said that New Zealand was uh, they'd uncovered a whole heap of film canisters in New Zealand that proved that the first feature films were made in New Zealand Mm. and they were basically like documentary footage and and things like this I remember watching it and it may be my warped mind so please if you know what this is but it was pitched as a documentary and then it came out as a hoax it was like not true you know and it was almost like a mockumentary before mockumentaries that Sam Neill was involved with I'll probably find out that it was really cheesy and very Obvious, but I was so young. No, no. Some
1: documentaries, man. Seriously, documentaries can wipe you away.
0: Oh, I have so much much respect
1: for a documentary director. Like, it's such a hard gig. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they always end up, obviously, you know, I know you're not meant to take sides, but they always end up on one side of the fence.
0: Well, but there's such an art to a documentary as well. Like, if you think, have you ever watched Citizen Four, which is the Edward Snowden documentary? No. Oh, man. Like... The majority of that documentary takes place with Snowden sitting on a bed in a hotel room, and it's gripping for the whole time that you watch it. It's like so gripping, and it's just cut so like documentaries are made in the editing room. Oh yeah, exactly. But
1: so well done. That's where it's that's where it's an odd thing. You have to be good with the editing.
0: Very much so. Very mm. much, so. and you can't imagine like. Uh, have you watched Exit Through the Gift Shop, the Banksy documentary? Yes. Like the amount of footage they had to cut to, to get into that, like just incredible. That's a that's a cracking documentary. Oh man. Here's a here's a fun one. Let's when this is released, let's put a little poll out there or a post. Oh yeah. What is people's favourite documentary? Oh yeah. I'd love to know. I love UFO
1: documentaries. Chariot Do of the Gods. Now my actual favorite documentary is you'd you'd laugh at this, is The Road to Alexandria. It's about Alexander the Great. <laughs> So good. <laughs> you know, I love that you do love it's Alexander, don't like you?
0: You love it. Uh, <laughs> mine. Do you know what? There's a couple I love. Excuse me. I'm just going to cough. <coughs> um, there's one I love, which is called Lost Souls, and it's the Doom Journey. The subtitle is the Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's Islander Doctor Moreau. Oh wow! And it's actually a. It's a look, and they catch up with cast and crew afterwards and talk about the production of the marlon brando of val kilmer Do- that would have been hard it's um i've actually got it if you want to watch it it's really good uh they talk about it but stanley was so desperate to make this movie he actually turned to witchcraft and all sorts of things and they talk about Fantastic. that and the the cast and crew just like they just were getting so sick of what was going on they partied all night long and so there's like Footage of them all still in their animal makeup, like just drinking and just going crazy. It's such a fascinating documentary. Citizen Four is incredible. Um, I also love there's a, a, a film called No Distance Left to Run, which is a blur documentary, which Ooh. actually talks about their career in full, leading up to their uh, reforming at the Glastonbury Festival. Oh, and yeah. then the documentary comes with their performance. It's so good.
1: Cool. That'd be really awesome. <laughs> I guess... Actually, there is one I do love is... Um, another one is Shakespeare. So, it's Looking for Richard. And it has... that um, oh. has Al Pacino mm-hmm. and the now scary Kevin Spacey. Oh, yeah. But Alec Baldwin in it as well, so... We don't
0: talk about Kevin. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's about
1: Richard III. It's Interesting.
0: Fantastic. So, interestingly enough also, Craig... Cabin Boy wasn't the only film Burton was tapped to direct post Batman returns. Doing? He was also attached to the
1: Terry Gilliam route.
0: <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? So he's very much a, a director in demand. Yeah. But he's attached to and for a small it's period of time. Because he doesn't say no. He <laughs> has to go around to it. Just send Jamie out. Just yeah. he'll fix it up. Uh, for a small period of time, he was actually signed on to direct a film called Mary Riley. Oh, really? Now, Mary Riley is the tale of is Dr. Jekyll Julia and Roberts. Mr. Hyde. Yes, it is. But told from the perspective of his maid. John Malkovich? you Malkovich as well. Burton was approached by Winona writer to see if he was interested to direct the film with her in the oh, lead role. Oh, wow.
1: She would have been good.
0: Yeah. So, as you can expect, the the project is a, a, a subject matter you could really picture Burton yeah. being a part of. Uh, so, he signs on. And the studio is really keen to see production move forward. But Burton wanted to take his time and just really develop the project a bit more. And the studio um, then felt very strongly that Renata Ryder wasn't the best choice for the lead role. They really wanted an upcoming star. Named Julia Roberts Oh God And so they thought She was the perfect actor For the role So the studio's pushing Becomes too much for Burton Who leaves the project Now the film ends up Being released in 1996 With Julia Roberts And John Malkovich starring
1: Now Now this is going to Piss off some people out there Especially Erin Brockovich Yep But Winona Wright is a better Better actress than Julia Roberts I think Roberts knows What she does well And I know that no, well. no 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 Not superstars yeah. Superstar wise She's up there Ironically that she's friends With George Clooney Because she's very much Like George Clooney Yes You know what I mean And I think as a superstar She's no Winona is nowhere nearer Yeah Like just knowing What your brand is And knowing how to play that brand Like you know Tom Cruise is a great superstar Yeah But um, you know Yeah But as an actress I think Winona Ryder is. It's probably one of those things where I don't know. Brockovich
0: is a good outlier, isn't it, Craig? I'd love to do a little of a dive into Julia Roberts's career, actually, to see if she does.
1: Oh yeah, ever oh, bring uh, anything? And she she pushes on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, but I think she yeah. she yeah. I think Sandra Bullock took over where she was.
0: Yeah, that's true. Bullock has filled those comedy shoes, hasn't
1: she? Yeah, but also that um that. Comedic, going into drama type yeah. things, you know, with all those It's
0: true. Um, I do agree. Winona writer does, for a film like this, maybe it's too close to Dracula.
1: Yeah. I admit mean, she wasn't fantastic at Dracula, but i What you was Dracula Gary Oldman was amazing in it, yeah. but they're all ham as shit. Yeah. Keanu doesn't shine in that film. Oh, Keanu's just in there amongst the other ham. Yeah, it's
0: true. Which it's is true. weird
1: for the amount of talent in that film.
0: So... Burton not being a part of the project, actually, it turns out to be a good thing because not long after leaving Mary Riley, Burton realises the project that he actually wants to direct along is a film that he'd been developing as a producer based upon the life of now legendary B-grade Hollywood director Edward D. Wood Jr., a man once described as the worst director of all time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I was a weird... I I remember thinking about, like, there was only one thing that really said that he was the worst director. It was like one poll, but then everyone jumped on it.
0: Yeah, really big time, didn't mm. they? So fascinating. So before we really jump into the journey to screen, Craig, let's take a little look at the cinematic landscape for Ooh. 1994. 94. So 94 is actually a fascinating year for the world of cinema. Firstly... Viacom purchased a majority stake holding of Paramount Pictures for $9.75 billion. I think, Viacom. I think, uh, yeah, and it used to do that all and the time. And, and, and it used it. to just
1: remind me of like Robocop every time. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's so true. I'm pretty sure their their majority stake literally was like 51%. Yeah. Like it's it's literally the the minimum they could get to, to have a majority stake. Uh, it's also the year that Spielberg wins his first ever Academy Award Ooh,
1: for Schindler's, Schindler's List, List,
0: which was released in 93, so that won't come up in our Oscar darlings later when we talk that. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is announced as James Bond. My favourite Bond. And very fitting, Michael Keaton departs the Batman franchise is and is replaced by Val Kilmer. All in 94 Now the Oscar darling for 1994 We have talked about on this podcast At length It was Robert Zemeckis's Academy Award winning 13 nominations 6 wins including Best Film Best Director for Robert Zemeckis Best Actor for Tom Hanks And Best Adapted Screenplay for Eric Roth It's Forrest Gump
1: Now Do you know That there is a Bollywood retail no. of this and it's on Netflix right now. No. What's it called? I don't know. It's in I was going to say in Bollywood language, bro. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gosh. The, it, no, Jeff, it's 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 seriously it's it's Forest. come set in India. Okay, it really is. No, no, I'm yeah, I watched I'm the trailer. At it. To it. I watched It's the trailer. called
0: Lal Singh That's it.
1: I watched the trailer to it. Because on I saw one picture of it, and it's him like it was him with the hat on, a red hat on, and all these people behind him. I go, God, that looks like fire scum. And it's even got the feather and everything that floats down. He's the, got the
0: feather and everything, Craig. Yeah.
1: What guys, go out watch the trailer. If there's someone out there who's watched a movie, please get in touch with this man, honey. Oh. Please, there. This is out there,
0: Craig. If we were still doing our three cool nights where we would choose one movie that would oh, just that blow would be up, it. oh look at it. him with the big beard as he runs across yeah, the country. Exactly. Oh my goodness! And
1: he goes to war, and there's a bubba. Craig, a bubba we've got everything. to
0: share. We've got to share photos of this. All right. I'll I'll, um, I'll I'll will actually
1: put the I'll
0: Pal put the trailer. Up. Chudder. Forrest Gump goes to Bollywood.
1: Exactly. I'll actually put the Oh, that is fascinating. And Craig. you know what the cooler thing about this one will be is they won't hesitate in doing the sequel. Oh hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. So, so there'll be the, the sequel where he be becomes a, a wrestler. Yeah.
0: Um Check out that episode. It's in our first season. It's an absolute cracker. Uh, Other winners for the the 94 Oscars were The Lion King for Best Original Score, Best Original Song, and Best Animated Film. Martin Landau wins Best Supporting Actor, not just in the Oscars, but at most major awards role for his role in Edward. Incredibly deserved. What a transformational role this is. You wouldn't pick him, would you? Amazing. Yeah, I was... It looks like a lot a little gazzy, but oh, amazing. We're going to go there a bit later, but incredible. We've also discussed two films in, 94, uh, in from 94 on from First to Last. As we mentioned, season one, we discussed Robert Zemeckis' incredible Forrest Gump. And in season five, we chatted about Ron Howard's criminally underrated The Paper. Oh, yeah. We starring the Michael and Keaton. Paper, paper. Right, check that out if you can. So, the... Worldwide box office for 1994. Oh, Crazy. This is what I love. At number one was The Lion King with $768, three million million. Boom. Forrest Gump with $677 million. Boom, chocolate. He's a movie I haven't seen in a long, 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 long time. True Lies with $378 million. Dollars.
1: There's a TV series on it. No way. Done a TV series, yep.
0: Of true lies. Of
1: true lies.
0: It's got the content that you could play with. It's yeah, pretty yeah. much.
1: Burn notice. Like it's but it's pretty much. I think she finds out in like the first episode. And they team up together and yeah. become spies they together. They spies Boo. together. So yeah.
0: Now ninety four is also a really fascinating year. We've mentioned this on the last two episodes from ninety four, but it's a really incredible year for Jim Carrey. Now he has three Go films Jim. released in Go this, Jim. and. It's insane to think that at number four was The Mask with $351 million. Oh,
1: man, he was going boom. I said, this is Cameron Diaz's Cameron
0: Diaz's first ever film. At number seven, we're just going to jump forward to that, is Dumb and Dumber with $247 yeah. million. Oh, fuck, that's and he film. also has Ace Ventura Pet Detective released all in the one year. Oh, my
1: God. Man, I love Ace Ventura Pet How about Detective? that for a wondering. barnstorming one opening of the best. as an actor? Oh, man.
0: Also released, Craig, at number five, Speed, $350 million. Oh, Keanu. We're talking and about Sandra Sandy Bullock. Bullock. Sandy come, come through. Number six, The Flintstones at $341 I've watched million. It. I've I watched it completely. Rick Moranis
1: is a great bar. But for some reason, I've watched half of the second one.
0: What? With the dude from Game uh, of Thrones, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Baratheon. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So- that was
0: after he was in
1: Full Monty. Oh, was it
0: really? Yeah, oh, so wow, Full Monty a- came out and they got him out of that to be in the sequel. And I can't <laughs> even remember, who was the who was Barney in that one?
1: So it was a guy from... Um, oh, we all... Oh, uh, I can't oh man. Oh, no, no, it was Stephen Baldwin. It was, <laughs> it was Stephen Baldwin. Oh
0: gosh! Do you know what I was going? All I could picture was squinty eyes, and I was like, "Is it the guy from Third Rock from the Sun?" But no, it was Stephen. Yeah, it's Stephen Baldwin. Um, as we mentioned, Dumb and Dumber at number seven. Number eight was Four Weddings and a Funeral with two hundred and fifty.
1: Fantastic you, man! I was late on that. I was too. And I then when too. I finally watched, I was like, "Man, I feel that's amazing!" It in my
0: amazing. Uh, number nine: Interview with a Vampire. Million Watch dollars. the first two
1: episodes of that on AMC. Good. Yeah, it, it's very different. It's different from the books, obviously, because I <laughs> love the books. Growing up, man, I was fucking huge. You do books. love the books, man. Um, but they they're getting they're getting a lot of it. They're getting a lot of the feel of it right.
0: Okay, that's that's positive. That's positive, Craig. Number ten, Clear and Present Danger.
1: Loved it. Uh, Harrison Ford, Thunderbolt Ross. I'm gonna Marvels. pump
0: through a couple. Reality Bites is released. Major League Two's released. Major League Two. The Crow is released. Uh-huh. Maverick. Beverly Hills Cop 3. Yep. Getting Even With Dad. Wired Earp. Wired wow. The Shadow. Shadow. Yes. The Adventure of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, yeah. Natural Born Killers.
1: Oh, man. I only watched it once.
0: Quiz Show.
1: Yeah, I liked it, but never watched it I yet. liked
0: it. Time Cop.
1: Love that! Watch that war that I should (laughs) have. Street Fighter. Watched it once. Legends of the Fall. Watch that incredible! I like that. I like that movie. Little Women. Yeah, I've watched that a couple of times too, man. Leon the Professional. I've watched that near a hundred times. The Santa Claus with Tim. Ironically, I've only started watching that. I've watched every one of them, but that's only been since my son was born. They got the new one coming out actually soon. Yeah, I think it. He's that's returning for it.
0: Uh, Stargate was released. Oh, I recently Stargate. purchased it. I can't Love wait to review. it. It's really it. good.
1: Uh, Pulp Fiction was released. Oh, my Lord. Watch that ridiculous And amount. just a
0: tiny film called The Shawshank Redemption.
1: Shawshank. So, Craig, that is the cinematic landscape from 1994. i watched a lot of movies on it's that. It's a good like, year for like film, like isn't several it? several amount So many times, man. Yep. I feel like that's this amazing. is one of those that's years like, where oh, fuck, I a, pumped movies. That's like a list, like of, like my top
0: movies. <laughs> There's a lot of great films in there. Uh, also, I love that Natural Born Killers is in there as well because this is sort of a time where people wanted to get their hands on anything written by Quentin Tarantino yeah, reservoir Dogs. Big, yeah. So things like, you know, your true romance and things like that start coming out. Uh, so – that's the that's the cinematic landscape. Before we get to our journey to screen, Craig, yeah. let's just take a little moment for anyone who may not have seen Edward before. And I'd hazard that there's probably a few people that haven't watched this film. This is probably one of those. I reckon it's a bit of a sleeper for uh, Tim Burton's yeah. Filmography. It's probably one of those
1: surprise films. You go, oh yeah, and it'll so, be like Big Eyes too.
0: Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And so I, I'd, let's just take a little moment, Craig, for all those who may not have seen it may watch it a few times or may love the heck out of edward love to hear from you if you're one of those people and let's just take a moment craig and let's just hear about it
1: tim burton ventures into a more mature direction with his first biopic of infamous director edward d wood jr who is known as one of the worst directors ever lived burton brings pathos to a character whose ambition outweighs his talent Let's talk about Ed Wood. So good, Craig.
0: Now, uh, well, let's get into this. Let's move it screen. into it. Now, it's a pretty fascinating one for the film, Ed Wood, because it's a project that signals a change in direction for pretty much all involved. So when you start looking at, if we were to focus on actors' careers, not just a director's career, yeah. Ed Wood is just the film that, For Burton, it changes, really is a change of direction and pace. Yeah. At this stage, he's doing these fantastical, fascinating worlds, but suddenly we get very grounded in reality. He does it in a really great way. I love the black and white nature of this film. Yeah. But for Burton, it really shifts and people go, oh, wow, he can do something quite serious as well.
1: Visually, it's beautiful. Like the, the, the shots that he takes and um, obviously the lighting with yeah. the black and white. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it is. It's in, that, in that regard, it's beautiful.
0: And the writers, it really signals a shift and we'll hear about them soon. And the actors as well. For, for actors like Johnny Depp, this shows a side of him that people didn't see coming. Yeah, very true. Martin Landau felt like his career was stagnant and then suddenly delivers this huge performance that sees him in demand again. And so really for all involved, you know, this is a big film for Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, it was. It was. You know? And so for all involved in this film.
1: And who is his second wife? Oh, I'll have to, I'll have to look it up, Craig. Because she she's a good actress as well. Looking up right now for you, man. Right now, get it, get it, get it on the board for me, bro. Oh,
0: I'm getting. Look, we, we used to it? we used to not have a, a computer on on uh, air, uh, and this we were used like, we'll never. <laughs> used to uh, uh, Patricia, cat. How can Yeah, I that's forget? right, Patricia. So, like you've got Bill Murray in there as well. Oh,
1: I fucking love. How Bill good Murray. was he in this movie? And seriously, he is so much like the uh, guy in real life. Is he? I watched Plan Nine. Oh, did you? Yeah, man. I, I, I went out and watched it. And? And? It's better than Ed Wood. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're talking to the wrong person, but we'll talk about this later. Oh,
0: gosh. I can't wait to get to ranking, Craig. This is going to be incredible. Get going. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's talk about the journey to screen. So, for writers Scott Alexander and Larry Karazuski. The idea of a film about the life of Ed Wood is something they had been contemplating since they met in film school at USC School of Cinematic Arts. They'd even considered making a documentary about Wood called The Man in the Angora Sweater while at USC but thought no one would want to see that film. As time went on, their career had been had seen a little bit of success after they wrote both Problem Child 1 and 2. <laughs> But both Alexander and and this is really funny. Craig. Oh my God, that's its successes. Both Alexander and Karazuski were becoming frustrated at the fact that they were considered family writers. Yeah. So for them, Problem Child One and Two was something that got them some success and. You know, you have to get your foot in the door in Hollywood to, yeah. to keep working And so they've got their foot in the door But suddenly they're pigeonholed as these The problem child guys You know, they are the problem child guys And so they wanted to do something media So Alexander and Karazuski write a 10-page treatment For a film about Ed Wood And it's based upon the, a biography called Nightmare of Ecstasy The Life and Art of Edward D. Wood Jr. That'd be interesting <laughs> The biography is a collection of interviews with Wood's friends, family, and colleagues and was released in nineteen ninety two. Once completed, Alexander and Karazuski gave the treatment to one of their fellow USC classmates director Mike Lehman. Now, we've talked about Lehman before on this podcast, and if his name's familiar, that's because he's the director of such films such as Heathers. Oh wow. Hudson Hawk. Yep. The Truth About Cats and Dogs. And 40 Days and 40 Nights, which she was... What about Cats and Dogs? Irma Thurman. Thurman. Yeah. And 40 Days and 40 Nights was the Josh Hartnett one where he abstains from sex for 40 Days and 40 Nights.
1: Oh, okay. For a second there, I thought you meant 40 Days of Night, which had Josh Hartnett Yeah, <laughs> 30 vampires. Days
0: of Night, that one. 30 Days of
1: Night, which was fantastic. Yeah.
0: Written by our friend Stuart Beatty. Yeah, it was. Check out the collateral episode, people. Uh, further to this, Lehman had remained friends with Denise DeNovi, and this is where the connection was, is... Burton's longtime producing partner had produced the film Heathers so she's working with Burton Lehman loves the pitch from Alexander and Karazuski and takes the treatment to Denise DeNovi to see if she'd be interest, interested in producing uh, DeNovi then takes the project to Burton and together they agree to produce the film with Lehman directing Cool for a second, I was like, "That's quite bitchy, man." <laughs> like, That's pretty fucking ugly. <laughs> <Yoke. laughs> hey, Tim, look what I found. <laughs> well, just hold on to your hat, Craig. Uh, Burton continues to develop Nightmare Before Christmas and Mary Riley while also reading through the Edward biography, biography and doing his own research. And it was here that Burton really begins to fall in love with the story and the characters within Edward's world. Yeah. Now, when Mary Riley starts to fall apart for Burton, he expresses interest in directing Edward for himself. In addition to being a fan of Wood's work, we we, we know that Burton is a huge cinephile. Yeah. Um, so in addition to that, uh, he starts seeing parallels between Edward's relationship with Bella Lugosi and his own relationship with Vincent Price. Yeah, that's... So Burton feels that the project could begin very quickly and this is also something that's really drawn. he's really drawn to. So he's sort of reached a point where he's had two projects sort of fall apart or him feel like it's not the best thing for him to direct. So he's like, I need something and I need to keep going. So he could kick it off. Now, I have to stress here, Burton doesn't kick Lehman off the project for a bit there. I was like, this is going to be a dark turn. If Burton's just like, thanks well, man, dark man. Yeah. But Burton wants to be as hand on as a producer on this project as possible. Yep. And, Starts to, to let Lehman know, all right, I think this is the next film that our production company is going to move forward with. Yeah. So we want to start filming in the next few months. Now, unfortunately, Lehman was already co- committed to another project and couldn't bow out of that. Uh-huh. Now, the project that he was committed to was a comedy about uh, a group of rockers who decide to rob a a radio station. Oh, really? Called
1: Airheads. Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi,
0: Adam Sandler. And so as a result, Lehman has to drop out of the director's chair. But he remains on the project as an executive producer. Tim Burton's so heartbroken I know. Yeah, I know. Oh, that's a shame. You make your silly comedy. Uh, So for Burton, (laughs) all the pieces keep lining up. Tim, my...
1: my, my pass isn't working. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. exactly.
1: Am I still a producer? Yeah, the producer door, mate.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's all right. That's the other door over to Steamed. the left. Um, so the project finds uh, the pieces start lining up and he's on board as director of Edward. The project begins to sort of get full steam ahead and Burton tells the writers, which at this stage we've only got a 10-page treatment, yep. Alexander and Karazuski that they need to, to produce a script. And fast.
1: Get your shit together.
0: So they produce a 147-page script in six
1: weeks. Wow, that's pretty hardcore.
0: Now, Burton loved this script so much, he felt the first draft did not need any changes.
1: (gasps) Wow, this is amazing.
0: Right? Burton loves it so much, especially the fact that it was going to be a character-driven film and the fact that... He didn't need as much storyboarding as what he normally would for this film. And it gives a bit more room for, for spontaneity. So he pretty much films off a of first draft. Oh, that's amazing. Pretty bonkers, right? So the project finds a tentative home at Columbia and they start really developing the project. Now, things go a little south for Edward here. And I'm going to sh- assume here that we've reached a point where Burton uh, begins to have some relationship challenges professionally. Namely, the old creative differences. Ah, oh, okay.
1: Oh, I'm glad you said professional. I'm like, oh, he's putting his so, somewhere. No, well, it, he probably is, again. but
0: he's a, we've heard he's a player. <laughs> he's but, a
1: horn dog. Um, horn dog Burton. We're,
0: we're discovering around this time, Batman Returns. We've had it sort of bubbling away the last few films of yeah. Tim Burton, uh, but... We've reached a point where he's had some pretty major relationships start to break down due yeah. to creative differences. He's no longer talking to Danny Elfman mm-hmm. after Nightmare
1: Before Christmas. And here... Was it Nightmare Before Christmas that turned him off or was it... That was Bat- where, oh, yeah. where they really Cause he had, started. Because he got the shits with him in Batman, didn't he? We'd, yeah. Because of the print shit.
0: Yeah. So yeah. they were having some issues with Batman. Uh, it really rears its head during... Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas yeah. They work on Batman Returns And uh, And he was also uh, I think there might have been A bit of something Going on for Edward Scissorhands Because he didn't uh. He didn't do the He did the music for Edward This is the first film That he doesn't do so anything
1: Danny's standing up to himself
0: Yeah, I think so So we're Fuck gonna, you Tim We're going to hear that Turn creator. to me Well
1: Strangely Stephen they, get out of my way I don't need you to talk to Tim <laughs> we'll, we'll get there
0: We'll get there a bit later About awesome. Danny Elfman Ooh. But they actually don't work together For a very long time Oh that. wow Is that true yeah. I always just thought they were like You think they're synonymous and carrots Yep It was a It was quite Quite a period of time Oh that's so, awesome Uh this Burton and Columbia studio head Mark Canton begin experiencing their own creative differences when Burton advises that he's going to film the film in black and white. Canton believed that audiences would not go to see a black and white film and Burton felt that the story could only be told in black and white. Yeah, I agree with that. This leads Canton to refuse to release the film unless Columbia are given a first look deal. Now, first look deals are really quite fascinating because your brain is assumed that it's just like, Hey, my next project's going to be this. You want it? And they go, no thanks. And then they go off and ship it somewhere else. But when you start to think about it deeper, it doesn't just mean that they get to decide if they want to release the film before anyone else. Um, It means that the studio actually has an opportunity to buy a film and never, ever release it. Ooh. So, and it is common. Well, yes. You know, uh, well, that's sort of a bit different. but, But it means that a film could be made purchased and just shelved you know for uh, an extended period of time fantastic for roger Corman. <laughs> roger corman he knows what it's like harvey weinstein is a um a notorious show yeah there's a good
1: couple there's a good chunk of them
0: yeah so you always see them pop up you do they turn up later they fanboys is a really interesting one when you hear the story yeah, Have you heard that about is. Fanboys? yeah, yeah. so it's really sad actually when you hear the 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 way that That poor filmmaker was treated in all of that Now, Burden hates the idea of uh, the potential That this film could get made and never be released Or at least they get to a point where the studio Owns so much of it that it could just be stalled and and killed So he insists that if he is to sign this deal He has to have full creative control on the project Which Canton retaliates by putting the project in a turnaround (gasps) Oh So a month before they were due to begin filming,
1: they're put into turnaround. Give people a rundown of turnaround. I'm so
0: glad you asked, Craig, because turnaround is a term that uh, our friends at home may not hear that much. But essentially, it's a term by used by studios when there are challenges that hinder the project being able to move from the development stage. To the pre-production stage. Now, development stage is we're writing a script, we're pulling together the story, we may do a little bit of casting. Pre-production is we're going to start developing sets. We're going to start getting everything that needs to be done before cameras roll. Yeah. So that little section between development to pre-production, if it gets sort of caught in there or it changes enough, um, they can basically put a stop to it and so it might be that there's a lack of finances it could be their inability to get to the script to the point where the studio sees it as being a feasible thing to release uh and in this case sometimes it can be used just to spite a director when they are not getting along with the studio heads especially it's the studio's way of saying we're not going to pay for the project anymore but if producers can find a new home the studio will often transfer the project across to another studio cool a lot of the time that studio then halves the debt and it sort of becomes this deal, which we then go on a, a really fascinating one uh, to to listen to is our Watchmen episode from the Zack Snyder season, uh, which is in season three, because Watchmen actually ends up having lengthy court cases about who owns the... The project had been in turnaround so many times who accrues the debt and pays for the debt that other studios had invested into this film. And so with the project in turnaround, Burton and DeNovi start shopping it around and all the major players such as Warner Brothers, Paramount, Fox and Disney want Burton's new film. Pretty understandable. Yeah, exactly. The director of Batman Returns. They're right.
1: And you just want to get on Burton's good
0: side. 100%. Because you know that... If you can get there, He's got money. You've got you've got a very bankable director. So Burton agrees with Disney as he felt they'd worked really well together on Nightmare Before Christmas. Disney give him a budget of eighteen million dollars and complete creative control. Damn. Burton in turn refused to be paid a salary for the project and has still not been paid for the film. Oh wow. Yeah. So that's pretty big. That's isn't awesome. It? Good on you. So, good on you, Burdo. It's a really fascinating film because that's a good passion project. Yeah, very much so. Burton knows what he wants, yeah. and I think you see it on the screen. It's he about, knows.
1: You can tell it's about the film for him.
0: Very much. Yeah. It's about the content and what they were going to tackle. So he reaches out to Johnny Depp for the role of Edward, and as you can imagine, Depp jumps at the chance. Yeah, of course. Uh, he then approaches Landau about the role of Bella Lugosi, and so on. Pretty much knows who he thinks he wants for each of the roles, reaches out to them, and they agree to be a part of the project. It is Tim Burton. Now, as we mentioned, a sad omission for Edward is the fact that this is the first film that Burton releases without a score from Danny Elfman. Sadly, Burton and Elfman experienced extreme creative differences during Nightmare Before Christmas, and as a result, they could not work with each other anymore. Burton is then forced to approach Howard Shore to do the score for this film. Mm. And um, from an, I don't want to say the word sonically, like from an audio perspective, yeah. it is vastly different from a Burton film. There is so many moments of space. There's like no, um, no score. Yeah, exactly. And that's
1: film. one of the things that hit me about it. There's that it's 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 a very very um special quirk yeah um for a quirky that's needed for a quirky film
0: yeah it's I really like it it's
1: like watching it's like watching a sitcom without the laugh track
0: it's true Craig it really is isn't it yeah and for me it really works like there were moments where I was like wow there's no music here and I feel like it adds to the awkwardness here. Mm-hmm. In in a really good way, so um, production begins August nineteen ninety three, and filming takes place over seventy two days. The film, as released September thirty, is released in September thirty, and takes thirteen point eight million dollars. It becomes Burton's first film not to make the money that it was spent back, and the film itself. still has really strong reviews. They praise both Landau and Depp in it. And when asked himself what happened, Burton says that in his eyes, the studio just didn't know how to market this film. For its time, this is a very niche film. It's niche content. Not only, I don't know about you, Craig, but like, I was thinking about it, I'm like, This is so niche in the fact that not only are we talking about a B-grade director of terrible movies. Yeah. But we're actually talking about the fact that he's like a bit of a pioneer for transvestites.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: You know, as that's the term they use in the film. Yeah. And so it's really quite a fascinating topic to tackle, isn't it? He's
1: a fascinating character. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm saying. I would love to read the book.
0: It looks quite fascinating, the book. So everyone that sees the film raves about it. But the problem was that people just didn't see it, Craig. Yeah. So that's the film's journey to screen. That's a damn
1: good journey to screen. It's a fascinating one, isn't it? awesome journey to screen. That's
0: one of the best. I love it. So I'd love to know, Craig, had you seen this film before?
1: Yes, once. Interesting. Ages ago. More because it was Tim Burton. Okay. Okay. I didn't remember anything of it.
0: (laughs) Well, that's fascinating to me because... It's uh for me this is a very memorable film. Oh, awesome. Uh I'd never seen it before. Oh, haven't you? No, I had no idea. And it's really interesting because I guess if I think about what I expected. Yeah. My only knowledge of this film was the poster that sees Sarah Jessica Parker handing the angora sweater yes. over to Edward. And the Angora sweater, it's all black and white, except the sweater is pink in the post. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, it is. So I spent a lot of the movie waiting for what I'd call the Schindler's List moment, which is like, you know, the little girl in the red dress. And I was just waiting for the moment that the sweater came out and it's pink and it'd be like this beautiful... I don't know, it's funny. It's like I expect it to be like this precursor in a weird way to like the way they approach Sin City. Yeah. Which is very black and white with these little splashes of colour. And I just thought it makes so much logical sense that Burton would do something like that. Yeah. So I guess when I see the whole film and it's purely all black and white.
1: It's just an old school black and white, yeah.
0: I felt really misled by the poster. ha, <laughs> ha. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, no, exactly. No, really, exactly. It really—it surprised me because I was like,
1: "Oh, it really is black and white the whole time." Oh man, it's yeah, like it's 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 an odd film, and I'm just.
0: So, so I, I'd love to know just before we really get into it, what do you expect going into it, Craig?
1: Oh, I was, expect, I was expecting heaps. Hey, you know what I mean? Like it's it's um from all accounts, you know, from everyone you hear, it's Burton. It's Burton's first almost mature yeah film Yep. um and like you said it is it is a path changer for him yes um and that's where it takes him Yep. and you can see from afterwards you know from this onwards there is that path that he takes and that's and that, and obviously it leads to some brilliant films um and that's what I expected I expected to see that interesting interesting
0: yeah i I think I expected Going into this, I expected this to be my sneaky dark horse. Ooh, you know that film that just pops up and you're like, wowzers. Yeah. uh So I sort of I was prepared for that potential here, but I was also prepared for this to be what on earth, you know? <laughs> uh, because sometimes directors try to step out of their comfort zone to to show that they can do more. Yeah. And those are the moments. I guess in a weird way, this is Mecca season prepared me for the fact that a director can generally pump out three or four absolute amazing films yeah then they almost have this experimental film that they test the waters on a few things you know if we think about each of the directors you've got films like you know death becomes her was a real (laughs) sort of experimental film film for us, yeah. when we watched it, yeah, and we were like, "What is going on here?" It's, you know,
1: it's where you start seeing those a successful director stop caring about the success and start to become an artist. Yes, and they start to be given the tools that their mind sees. Doesn't always work; it can be hit and miss. Yeah, can't exactly. It? it can be very hit and miss, but then it's also can be you know these fantastical journeys.
0: You're right. You're right, Craig. And so, I guess for me. I expected this would be either hit or miss, you know. Uh, it was one or the other. I wasn't going to get a. Oh, I was all right. Mm. I was going to get a hit or a miss. So, it's really fascinating. I'm going to say it right now. I flat out loved this movie, oh, Craig.
1: Man, I did. No, Don't that's worry. good, man. I've, I I I've been very, very, very PC about it all, but. I'm glad you loved it. <laughs> well. I'm, and in no way, I'm not saying it in any way degraded or any shape or form. No. No. Because I, yeah, I fucking couldn't stand it.
0: Really? Man,
1: this is one of the first movies I've watched in so long that it took me three goes to watch it. Because wow. I just was like, I'm bored shitless. <coughs> I have to get off this. This is just boring the shit out of me. I can't stand really? it. I can't stand Look, I understand the premise of the film. I understand the concept of it. It's 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 an A grade director directing a tribute to a B grade director. Yeah, and he directs it in a tribute, and he he directs the actors to act. It. It's like almost like um, it's almost like if Edward directed his own life. You know what I mean? Yep. Like he directs like the way he, um. Tim Burton sets up the whole start of the film is the exact way that um, Plan B starts, Plan Nine from Outer Space. Starts. Yeah, okay. So it's, it's those it, it it goes from those um stones, um, oh, the headstones, wow. the headstone, the guy at the obviously old mate sitting at the seat. Yeah, Jeffrey Jones. Exact same. Okay, so it starts with those. So ah, you know what I mean. Like he's he's it's it, quite an homage. It, it is. It's incredibly. It's incredibly an homage, and um and and I thought that was brilliant. And I thought that was great. I just seriously, I and 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 John gets angry at me for this because I I love Johnny Depp, but I have a love hate with Johnny Depp. <laughs> I hate when he hams. I can't stand his face when he hams. And this movie just hams it up. Like, you know, there are just some films I just can't stand Johnny Depp in. And it's ironically one of them is one of your favourites is Lone Ranger. I couldn't stand him Ooh, in that either. Lone Ranger. And it's, and I just like they're just – and this is just a film that I just can't stand him in. So, I can't stand him in. Do you think – is
0: it the fact that he's so okay?
1: You know, like all the oh, time? No, look, I – that's why I liked I'd like to know more about Ed Wood. Like I watched some interviews. Um, you know, I watched interviews with Bella Lugosi as well, talking about Ed Wood, and he does. He calls him Eddie. He fucking these. You can tell these they two loved people him. loved each other. Um, but I don't know. I just I I can't. I, it's it doesn't ring true to me, and it's none. And it doesn't make Ed Wood any more likable. So, so all i see like uh, look and i see the, the and i see that he you know he's determined and that's part of the joy of this film is that he's a determined guy with no talent but pushing <laughs> but pushes it you know yep. what i mean and i love seeing those and it's funny seeing those parts where they're you know they've got to pick up and run and you know yep. they're stealing shit and that's hilarious and that's some parts but I just, every time johnny depp was on screen i was like i can't I've go, wow, just got to fucking turn this off. That's Like so any time he tried to get serious and he tried to, tried to make Edward anything more than a character in his own film. Yep. You know what I mean? Like Edward is played like a character in an Edward film. And I think that does dis, a disservice to Edward, the actual human who actually did have, you know, transvestite tendencies. Yeah. Who actually did have um, obviously... Did have this weird, complex way, but this d- determination. I don't think it's played right. And I just couldn't stand it. So fucking couldn't stand it for the sake of the line. He just mugs it to the camera and mugs it up and does a disservice to a man who I think, if you just go by what's on paper, sounds like a guy who's just incredibly fascinating and it should be fascinating to see on screen. Should be fascinating to see on screen. You should be fat. Like fascinating to see a guy who's basically like, wow, man, this guy just coming out dressing in drag in a time where drag is just fucking crazy. Yeah, this is a guy who's just doing the grit, like running the grit. You can see he's selling, and they're fucking selling and selling. Yeah, but none of that to me. There's just too much, too much quirk, not enough background.
0: Do you think though, Craig? Because this is very much. I watch this performance by Johnny Depp and I say, well, the leap from him to be Edward to Willy Wonka is not hard to picture. It's not hard, but it's 15 (laughs) years apart. Very much so, but they're they're very much the same approach. Oh, it's incredible. Same voice, different
1: parts. Same. But that's who Willy Wonka is.
0: Yeah, so. But like what I'm (laughs) saying is, do you think that because. You know, your, your brain knows the character of Willy Wonka that Johnny Depp plays a lot better than the Edward one. That you start seeing it and it's like, oh, man. I, I feel, so to counter your yeah. views, I feel that if they played this straight for Edward, the film would be dull. So you need you need the silliness that Depp brings to the character. And I actually love what Depp does here because... He needs to be a caricature of what's going on because I think we're not looking at – we're looking at how the world viewed Ed, Wood's, Ed Wood in it. So we're looking at how, you know, he was very um, – oh, I don't want to say compliant but, like, you know, the way he's just, like, he just took beating after beating just – He's resilient. Yeah. The dude's resilient and in it and his positivity is fantastic. That's exactly right. He's so positive that if you were in a world where that wasn't normal, that's what Johnny Depp is. You would see it and you'd be like he's too nice. He's too positive. It's too over the top and then he's out of control dressing like a transvestite or Pulling his teeth out and showing the big gap in his teeth. And I think it's it's a purposeful choice because uh, we're being shown what the rest of the world saw Edward as. And the only moments that we see the real sort of glimpses of Edward are the moments where he's driving Bella Lugosi
1: or he's and going to the house to try and, and save Bella Lugosi. To me, Lugosi. those scenes are amazing. Like, yeah. and, and, and I think that's where um, Landau brings it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's where Lando does. And I think, and I don't have any issue with any of the back, like the, all the supporting casts are, like I've said, yeah, are they amazing. Are. They're amazing. Even Sarah Jessica Parker, you know what I mean? Like, and like I said, she goes on to be, you know, very popular in what she does as yeah. well. But I just, I see, if he's doing a caricature of a real life person, then we yeah. don't get to see the real life person. It's true And I look I understand the need for quirk Because he's a fucking quirky dude Yeah Like he's just quirky His movies are quirky And stuff like that But You know what I mean Like I think Like I said Being a Doing a caricature So Really where I'm going with this is My blame for this whole movie Sits on Johnny Depp Wow. Fuck, the more I'm talking about this, the more my blame for this movie sits on Johnny Depp. I don't think he added enough dimension. You can be quirky with while adding dimension. Oh. What's which which and one of the other problems is Danny Elfman. Okay? So where I think Danny Elfman's Danny Elfman adds quirk but adds fantastic this fantasticalness to it. Yeah. Okay, but if you're if, like you said earlier, where he add, um Howard Shaw's adding space, yeah. where he adds space, it takes away, once again, it takes away from the fantastical life of what this man would be. In my it's opinion, true. obviously, it's true. in my opinion of what this guy's life would be, it turns a scene of them because that's where Elfman is amazing. You could turn a scene where a guy walks to fucking get a. To pick up a newspaper and it seems magical it seems like a moment where he's coming to life it seems like a (laughs) moment where his world is changing but simple things in here that doesn't add to the it adds to a very it doesn't the music doesn't add to the depth and so therefore it doesn't save johnny depp enough and so it doesn't go beyond the one dimension to me because everything, well, I sat and talk because you know me. I hate saying I hate films. Yeah, I hate saying I hate films because I, know. I, th- I can sit and watch most films and go, man. I seriously, I probably remember Cabin Boy, and I would probably when I once I remember, I'll be like, man, that was funny. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying it's to the caliber of this film. It's just I'm I. It's racked my brain. It's probably been on my brain as much as it's been on yours. Yeah, for total different things. Hundred percent, and that's what's. Uh, But hey, once again, like we always say whenever we disagree, that's what's awesome about film. It
0: totally is. And everything you're saying is a negative of this film is everything I love about this film. (laughs) I love Johnny Depp in this so much. I actually think he is incredibly nuanced in this film. I think his ability to show on his face a smile and go, okay, I can do this. You know, like, okay, when someone's telling him, You're never going to make a movie again in this town. And he's like, okay, and smiling. There's hurt in his eyes while showing a brave face, but not in a way. See, I don't see him as cheesy. I think the whole film needs to be cheesy. It needs to have that almost Roger Rabbit-like nature to the film. And I think he does it. It's why Bill Murray looks so...
1: But that's what Bill Murray's like, in the, his character's like in real life.
0: <laughs> see, I think... That's what
1: you see when you see interviews. These guys are beautiful casting. The big dude who plays the yeah. big dude, beautiful casting. You should see this guy in Plan nine, 9. Looks exactly Does like he? And talks like this. Well, maybe they shouldn't be around here. <laughs> and you have to, like, put on captions to figure out
0: what he said. Yeah, wow. That's so that's so incredible. I... like. I love this movie, Craig. So well, much. Mate. This is literally like, yeah, it's. I'm. I'm glad we got there because we, when we get to ranking, we've literally been in agreement the entire <laughs> season, uh, which I'm. I'm quite thankful because I know we're definitely not going to be. I love it. I actually think this is. I love so much that this is Burton at his bravest in his career so far, and there's elements of this film. That show, like, later films make so much sense. So, like, there's moments, like I said, Depp's performance, immediately I can see he draws from that same place again to do Willy Wonka later in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, There's so many elements of Big Fish in this film that I just can't wait to get to Big Fish. Uh, You know, again, telling someone's life story... But throwing this fantastical element into it, even if the fantastical element is only when Depp is like making. So I'd be really fascinated at how Burton would approach Edward if he was making it today. Yeah. You know, would the film be. What I'd love, this is where my brain went, is nowadays in a post big fish world. Yeah that we would have a black and white film. And then the moments when they're filming like the octopus scene and, you know, Bela Lugosi is so awesome in that, you know, oh, where he fantastic. rolls around with the tentacles trying to make it look all, all great. And I love him when he's like, it's so cold. Who has some whiskey? <laughs> and, uh, you know, to, <laughs> um, but Like, I could just picture nowadays, Burton would approach that and it would burst into colour and we'd actually see, like, a proper, like, a CGI octopus really wrestling to see what Wood sees in his mind to make it all fantastical, you know. But, (coughs) excuse me, at that point, uh, also apologies to listeners, I have been a little bit unwell, so if I'm coughing and spluttering, it's, uh, I'm getting there. Um, But I, I do love the fact that the fantastical elements are when we see Depp dressed up in women's underwear you know it's almost like he's so comfortable in himself in those moments yeah in in a weird way we've talked about Burton loves his lead characters to have these costumes yeah and it's almost like that sort of superman clark kent thing yeah it which is. is you know Edward is so comfortable whenever he's in women's underwear or whenever he's in the sweater and things like that. And the, the rest of the time, he is this awkward, compliant, really like robotic sort of person. So I just love, yeah, I love it. And... I love how brave Depp is in it, taking this role on because he's a
1: heartthrob at this point. Oh, I agree how how brave he is, and I agree this is that start where he takes that turn. He, he gets serious, and, doesn't he? Yeah, and he basically he never he never he never comes back from this.
0: No, he definitely does not. He he's decided, you know, at ninety four, I'm not going to just be a romance actor yeah. or, you know, even there are brave roles that he still does, like Benny in June, even though that's a pretty
1: standard. Oh, What's well, eating Gilbert Grape.
0: What's eating Gilbert Grape, you know, they're they're brave meaty roles. Yeah. So I love that he goes there. But yeah, I I have to say, Greg, I do I love this movie so much. I love the the world that Burton gets to play in. I love that you could just imagine the filmmaking teenage Burton trying to create those you know, those, like the octopus again, to go back to there. In in a weird way, it's almost like the Ray Harryhausen loving Burton. This is just the perfect biopic for him. And I actually think he handles it so well. And I was a bit surprised that there wasn't a bit more, I guess, awards love for it. Because, I don't know, to date, we've seen a If you think about how the Academy works, if you had a director who delivered five big box office successes, two of those are major blockbusters. Yeah. And can I just tangent off for a little bit? I only learnt this week where the term blockbuster came from. Ooh, tell me. So blockbuster was coined with Jaws. Jaws was the first ever blockbuster. And the reason that it's called a blockbuster, Craig... It's because so many people went to see it on opening day that the lines were around the block.
1: Oh,
0: shit. And that's where the term blockbuster came from. I
1: love that. How cool is that? That is amazing.
0: Yep. Learned that this week. Thank you very much. Um, So when you think about it, Burton is this director. So he's dropped quirky first film in Pee Wee. Uh, We get, you know, Beetlejuice, which is... Shows that he's quite a creative. He's still got those dark tones. Drops Batman. Blockbuster. Yeah. Absolute blockbuster. Edward Hands, Quirky, gothic, but really artistic. And you can see that there is a brilliant directing mind in there. We get Batman Returns and you go, well, he can back up and build yeah, another and big. Yeah, you can do that. He can do that again. So at this point, to drop an Ed Edward. Disney would be thinking there's going to be some Oscar love around this.
1: Yeah, and I think they tried to go for it too. (laughs) Well, obviously, you know. Well, Landau Landau gets
0: it. it. And you would think they'd be pushing for Depp in there. Mm. Because, again, this is very. I don't know. Did he even get nominated? Not that I've seen. I think the only love they actually get is for Landau. Landau. And so it's, to me, I think it's really, I don't know. I just feel like Depp, uh, the other, they want to two Academy Awards actually, Craig. They also won, Rick Baker won for his Best Makeup. So he did all the prosthetics on Martin oh, Landau awesome. and the makeup. So um, really in this, there is Golden Globes. Johnny Johnny Depp was nominated for a Golden Globe. The film itself was nominated for Best Motion Picture for a Comedy or Musical in, um, in the Golden Globes. And... Depp wins a few films like he wins uh wins Actor of the Year for the London Critics Circle. So there's a few things that sort of pop up through there for them, but really all the love goes to Landau.
1: Which is Actor of the Year, but this is the year that Gilbert <laughs> Grape came out, didn't it? Very much so. It would I would say that would be Gilbert.
0: And and that year, remember and DiCaprio
1: DiCaprio was huge that amazing, year.
0: Amazing. man. He, he is, is so, so amazing good in that, in that film, film, isn't he? Yep. Um, fascinating little thing I saw as well is Vincent D'Onofrio. I don't know if you realized when his scene came up that wasn't his voice. So D'Onofrio no? plays Orson Welles. Oh yes, 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 yeah. And uh, Burton just didn't like his um his voice in the film, <laughs> so he got another actor to to, to provide uh, Orson Welles's voice, uh, which I thought was quite fascinating. Um, I do love Patricia
1: Arquette. I love Patricia Arquette. I think she's such an underrated actress, man. Isn't she? She just plays she is one of the most bravest actresses who are just in every scene, she'll just fucking give her all. She totally
0: does, doesn't she? And but she does it in a way that you just you still love her.
1: True Aromance Man is one of the most hardcore brave performances you'll ever see in your life. Another amazing Gary Oldman performance.
0: Oh, Gary Oldman in that movie. <laughs> he must have thought oh. it was
1: Whiteboard D. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, whole,
0: that whole movie is yeah, so. Because this was
1: around that time. Hey. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Because everyone's on the QT bandwagon. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think it was the year before, maybe 93. Okay, cool. uh, but yeah, phenomenal film. Um, really interesting. Uh, I love in this as well that depth. Depp says that he he signed on for this within ten minutes of being hearing about the project. Oh yeah, of course he would. You could just you could just tell he would. So I gotta say, Craig, I absolutely love this movie. And it's so interesting to me that we don't agree. That's awesome. I this is how much I loved it. Normally Craig knows that when I sit down and watch a movie, I write a lot of notes to to feel it. I have four paragraphs because I was so
1: engrossed. Oh really? And that's so weird, isn't it? Hey, I, I just – I had to watch it in three parts. I, put I it, couldn't get through it.
0: I put it on uh, – occasionally, because I do so much research on it, Yeah, I'll watch the first sort of half hour of the film. Yeah. And then – because I'm also fearful, a lot of the times, I could not be in the right zone to watch a movie. Yeah. And so I watch the first That's half what I thought. hour.
1: That's why I stopped the first time. I said, I must be in a bad place. Because this is an interesting – so I deliberately stopped and waited till I was happier. And then so I got sad again. and I said, shit, maybe I'll be to the bad place oh, again. Oh,
0: that is so fascinating because I watched a half an hour. My intention was to watch half an hour to get the vibe so I'd know what mood I needed to be in yeah. to watch it because uh, I knew it was going to be a film that took a bit more of my time rather than just sitting and watching Batman. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. Um, I got a half hour in and was like, all right, I'm in here for the long haul. And I just watched it late night, pumped it through till about one in the morning and was just like, I came out the other side and I was like, what a film. (laughs) So brave. I just love it so much. I love the production. I love the makeup. Like, it's so, I really don't understand why people, and it's probably, it's, we'll find out as I do more research that this is a really divisive film.
1: Oh, I from all I've seen is people actually people enjoy it. Yep. Um I never read any <laughs> negative reviews. I try not to. I think, you know, negative reviews are so fucking easy to do. Yeah. That's why I don't like really getting negative about something. Yep. But yeah. I think the yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. So interesting. I I'm just still really fascinated by the fact that you and I don't see eye to eye on this oh, film. I, right?
1: I'm fascinated by Ed Wood. If, if, if anything positive that comes out of this is that I'm fascinated by Ed Wood. Watching Plan 9, Yep, I'm fascinated by the person who made that film. The person who took those shortcuts. The person who thought he could push those in. The person who who, who done the shots that he did. I just... That person... Watching Plan 9 doesn't match up with the person I see in Ed Wood. Okay, that's so
0: fascinating. I'll have to watch I it, hey. Just
1: don't see that quirky ham dude directing Plan 9.
0: Because they're quite... They're not tongue-in-cheek films, are they? He's no. Going, no he's he's going, going for it. He's
1: full serious, man. He's yeah. full, And obviously you see, you know... Depp does that full serious, you know, in yeah. that, you know, like he doesn't understand. That's, I guess, one of the qualities or craziness of um, Johnny Depp's Edward character, or maybe Edward as well. Like I said, I haven't researched him. Is his lack of self awareness? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's yeah. I don't see one correlation S- with
0: it. Supposedly, I heard that he did make. There's one film they don't talk about in the in the the film, which actually was like a straight. Like a romance comedy style movie, or yeah, there was a couple, and they don't they don't touch on those ones. They just yeah. say that he's going for these these strange ones, which people say
1: were not that bad. They're not that bad. That's what I'm saying. Like this, I guess the room is worse. Yes. Uh, well, you the, can't
0: watch this without thinking about the room, exactly. Can you?
1: And I think it's one of those things that <laughs> I think it came up like from a news article. Yep. And then that's what it caught on from there. Yeah, okay. And you know, so what I mean? someone
0: sort of built a bit of hype, and
1: it's really weird. So this got me down to a little rabbit hole. Love it, love your so rabbit holes. As I was looking into that, there was a thing that said, "Why is Nickelback so hated?" Okay, so, so I jumped. I, I said, "I'm watching this." Yeah, tell me more. That all came from one guy making a joke on a late night show. Really? And it caught and turned into a meme, and then it turned into a hit. And then it turned into people think a trend to hate on Nickelback. Wow. And even a guy from Nickelback comes in and he talks about it. He goes, you know, there was, we'll, you know, and then suddenly all these people were jumping on saying, you know, they hadn't listened to the album saying they're the worst, um, you know, I don't like Nickelback anyway. But they basically saying all this, and yet we're packing out stadiums around the world. Yeah. And that's where I sort of think is where this. Ed Wood thing comes from, you know what I mean? That one article, and then suddenly everyone jumps on them. Well, I, I hated on. I, I always said if you, if you would have said, oh, who's the worst director in the world? I would have said Ed Wood. But I've never watched his film until the other day.
0: So fascinating. I would have thought you would have said Uwe Boll.
1: Oh yeah, I would say Uwe Boll. But you know what I mean? Like people go, oh, of all time, you go, oh well, obviously there's Ed Wood, you know. It's
0: so fascinating. Uh, I love that you brought up the room before. Because I think this is very much. He's very. When you see interviews with him, I used to crack his shit, and he's very unaware. Like the, have you seen the Disaster Artist? <laughs> no, it's really worth a watch, Craig. Hey, Watched all
1: the controversy around it. So <laughs> there is a bit of controversy.
0: <laughs> uh, it's it's quite fascinating because he is portrayed as someone who is unaware of yeah his lack of talent and in subsequent um, promotional tours and things like that that he does, he actually hams it up and plays along with it and basically takes whatever a reporter says. So if a reporter's like, hey, how do you feel about people going to watch a movie and they make fun of it so much? He's like, well, that's why I made the movie, so that they could have these experiences. And he sort of plays along with it. And I guess in a way, Ed Wood was that blissfully unaware Direct, as he's portrayed yeah is he's that blissfully unaware person oh no I think as in life
1: like you you can't watch Plan 9 in the outer space and and go you could have you, you have to be unaware yeah okay you know what I mean like you watch Plan 9 and there are some things that you're just like you know like there's, there's two scenes where there's two grave diggers and they're like we gotta get out of here before the sun goes down because you know zombies or some shit yeah and um and <laughs> And their voice doesn't sync up. That's it. The voices don't sync up at all. But suddenly it starts to sync, and then you, you know these de- suddenly the 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 two the two grave diggers die. Yep. And then the cops show up, and obviously oh we
0: see did- that in the movies. Yeah, we? yeah,
1: exactly. And that's the scene. Of, and they and you see a picture of the bodies, and they're just these these like almost. Straw-filled clothing, just just (laughs) like where you just go, like you know, he could have just had the people laying there, but obviously he must have shot it at a different time or something like that. You could have covered their face, you could have put anyone there, just in the same clothes, but instead he put these weird mannequin-type creatures there. You know what I mean? And you go, (laughs) he must be very unaware. Yeah, you know what I mean. To
0: well, they portray that in the film, don't they? Because so often he's like perfect moving yeah, on yeah exactly and everyone's and like,
1: like are, you, are you sure
0: yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, people are saying I missed my mark or something like that and he's like nope we got it and then off they
1: go and you actually literally see him struggle through doors it's yeah hilarious. <laughs> it's, so, it's hilarious see
0: it? those moments I found very funny and I'm sure I, there were moments watching that I'm like I'm, I'm sure if I've watched this movie I would find this even funnier so it did make me want to go watch it. Where is it out there for people to yeah, watch?
1: it's on YouTube. It's <laughs> just, get on the YouTube. It's like on three, four different places. All right. But then I actually went on a, another tangent, and there's a really old horror movie on there, which is just terrifying. It's called Witches. It's called Helson. Or Helson, like that. So it's a, it's, a, it's a documentary slash horror film. And it was made, it's like one of the first horror films made in 1920s or something. And I watched I watched some clips and that's horrifying. Really? Yeah, man, that's some awesome shit, you know me, on YouTube. Yeah, I did. There's know some you awesome on shit on YouTube. <laughs> You're so funny. So Craig, um,
0: I'd love to know. We've sort of talked about the film, hmm. our differing
1: opinions on it. What do you get from Edward? I oh, look, I get where it is. <laughs> I get its puzzle piece inside the art. Yep. You know what I mean? I like like watching, um, you know, Sam Raimi's Dark Man. I get where it's going, and I see all of. I see this film as almost the the shit that the flower of his career grows out of. <laughs> this is it, and I see it with without Ed Wood, he wouldn't be where he is today. It's so
0: true, Craig. I love. So I it. agree with
1: you hundred percent on that.
0: I I think, do you know what's funny? Is the things I love this film for the other things you hate it for. And this is really for me, this is so brave for Burton. He is so out of his comfort zone and he feels so comfortable in it. And I love it because Planet of the Apes makes sense watching this movie. Big Fish makes sense. You know, all these movies make sense now watching this, whereas watching Batman, I may not get it. So I just love this movie for that. I love it for Depp's performance. I love it for Landau's performance. It's um Yeah, it really is. It's a it's such a brave film and I love that it works. I'm going to cut a lot of these coughs out of this. It's pretty gross. So for me, I watched this film. I came away with it, hey, and I'm pretty sure I gave this like the highest rating out of any film in Burton's, <laughs> in Burton's thing, which is really fascinating and probably gets us to a good point where we could go to ranking. Right? Let's go ranking. So in ranking, we have identical where both have got Batman Returns at number one. Edward's is hands number two, Batman at number three, Beetlejuice four, five Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Craig. Where are we going?
1: Oh, look, I don't want to harp on it too much because I guess I've harped already. You know what I mean? Like directing t- talent, directing wise, um, you know, it's 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 up there. Um, but I just seriously, I have to go. Oh, is it? I look. I'd rather I'd rather have dinner with this Ed Wood than Pee Wee Herman. Yep. <laughs> so it's before Pee Wee Herman. Okay. And that's okay. it. So. But it was close, man. I almost went pref- after Pee Wee Herman because as a movie, I'd probably prefer to watch Pee Wee Herman sometimes. So. If you had to force one of these onto me, I'd say, I'll Pee Wee
0: Herman. <laughs> uh, I was really not expecting you to drop this solo, Craig. So that is fascinating to me. Um, For me, I've been really challenged. Hey, I came away with it. I guess it was a surprise packet. So I sort of knew it could get there. It had the potential to get there. But I was just really surprised by how Burton executed it and really sort of blown away by the quality of filmmaking shown here. Also the fact that, if I'm being honest, I don't think from the get go, I thought there was an Academy Award winning director in Burton. Yeah. You know, like a best picture director. Yeah. Director. But this showed that there there really is. He's just gotta have the right material to really
1: sink his teeth in. But I think that's most directors. You know, it's it's finding that one that just uh, sits perfectly. Luckily some of them find it straight away.
0: That's true. Others
1: find it at the end of their career, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like look paul martin scorsese you know what i mean and just i think it's true yes he, he his eye there is there is by far one
0: so i think when i think about how i rank this film the experience so far has been the most enjoyable for me so that sits pretty high
1: yeah that's got to be said there.
0: is this a better film than batman yeah it's a better film than batman is this a better film than Edward Scissorhands? I don't know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, oh, yeah. But I enjoyed my, my viewing experience for this season more than I enjoyed Batman Returns. Wow. And so it's like really hard. Do I put this... Do I go crazy and just go, this is my favourite movie this season? Which, so far it is. Do it, mate. Then do it. But... At the same time, there is that logical part of my brain that goes, is this a better movie than Batman Returns or Edward Scissorhands? Yeah, but where are you judging it from?
1: So that's where we always come from. That's where we judge well,
0: it from. I Well, I think my judgment is always like...
1: It's where the director is sitting at his part. Yeah, his life and from. I
0: think at this stage of his career, like from a directing point of view, Burton really hasn't tried as hard as he has in this movie. And he's pulled things off. Like you said, every shot is beautifully lit, beautifully framed. I think I love the way that he gleefully plays with dark elements like Bela Lugosi's drug problem. You know, like the moment we see him shooting up in the mirror, it's done in a way that's like it's lit so brightly and the veins almost light up when you do it that it it, it almost... Cartoonizes Such a destructive thing You know It's actually Do you know what's funny It's the first time We actually see A monster look scary In the movie Is every time that Legosi uses drugs And And so I love it There's It really is It's so It's such a bravely Directed film And again To tackle the topic At this time In the 90s You didn't talk about you know dustin hoffman may get to do tootsie yeah. but you know you didn't talk johnny depp dressing up like that scene of him dressed as a belly dancer in full drag with his teeth out <laughs> and he's got the mustache with the veil over his face like talk about
1: ballsy chores choices you know oh, he's, he's always been ballsy
0: and so i just think like it's so funny for me, I don't miss Elfman. I actually think Howard Shaw's score grounds this film in the reality that it needs. Otherwise, we do get this fantastical world, you know, and so it needs to be a bit of reality. I think Depp's performance uh, lifts the character into a silly world that it needs to be, so it's not too deep and but not But you just too. said it was grounded in reality. But this is what <laughs> we need to... We Burton understands that... The film itself, as a whole, can't be fantastical. No, exactly. Yeah, incredible. So Howard Shaw comes in to ground it, but he also knows that if the entire film is grounded, it's going to be dull and lifeless. So then he needs, um, he needs to show that the people around uh, Edward are these larger than life characters which you get your Bill Murrays and you get Jeffrey Jones popping up. Love you it. even have those two little sidekicks that are like his little producers Love and runners yeah. that are like the two knuckleheads. The two that, cops. Yeah. And so, you know, you have those guys which are there to show that the world around him, you know, he's, for someone that's talentedless. he's surrounded by beautiful women <laughs> who, who, for the most part, adore him until they can't stand him, Yeah, you know. Um, and so... He tackles this topic so well and then he uses depth in a way that is is just – it brings a lot of warmth to Ed Wood. Again, I haven't done any research so I don't know if he was a warm person but you know that he was a man who loved the people he worked with. He loved the process. He just wasn't good at it, <laughs> you know? You know? Yeah, exactly. And so I actually think that Burton identifies all those things and shapes and crafts the film to to lift in the right spots. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna go crazy, Craig. And I'm gonna chuck this up as my favourite movie of this year so far. We have a lot of movies to cover still. And I'm sorta of slightly hopeful for next week's film, which we'll talk about very soon. But awesome. there you go. John I put Johnny Depp's performance lifted this film to number one because I like him. Craig hates him. Um, no, no, I love Johnny Depp. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's done okay. like this. Um, so, Craig... Where can people find us to tell oh, us how much they disagree with
1: our ranks? Guys, go on to Twitter, Instagram at FFTL Podcast. Or hey, seriously go on to um Facebook for first to last podcast. We'll be posting stuff there. Yep. Um go on email us at info at FFTL Podcast.com or go on to our website www.fftlpodcast.com.
0: I love it, Craig. You can find us all those places. Please subscribe. Subscribe. Share us with a buddy. Yeah. Use the buddy system.
1: Hey, like, yeah, hey. word of mouth. Say, like, hey, you ever heard of this um, FFTV? <laughs> first and last podcast? First and last podcast yeah. where they go through the TV series of the first and last one. <laughs> Share us with your friends. Yeah. That's all we're saying. FFTO for first and last podcast.
0: Share us with your friends. Exactly. And chuck us a review. We
1: love yous. Yes. We,
0: we see you all around the world, which is bonkers. But Amazing. we love you guys so much for being on this journey because we know it's as fun for you guys as it is for us because you guys are telling us and we love interacting with you on social media. So please jump on to GleeCoffee.com.au. Oh, yeah. Uh, GleeCoffeeRoasters.com.au, oh, I should yeah, say. Oh, and get yourself some beans. Damn the, right. The Verve is a tasty drop. Tasty right. drop. Could do with a coffee. Um, yeah. Just finished one, Craig. It's going to be good. I'm probably going to be up all night, let's be honest. Yeah, true. And uh, use our code FFTL. Now, next week, Craig, we are sort of, we're heading into spoof town. We're heading into satire world.
1: Ah, yes. With Tim Burton's Mars Attacks. I know. Tim Burton getting wilder.
0: I have not seen this film in a very, very, very long time, Craig. So I am so fascinated at how my adult brain will cope with this movie. (laughs) I'm I'm fascinated to see
1: where it goes.
0: Me too. Mm. Um, Really fascinating thing, I haven't seen Jordan Peele's Nope yet. But a friend of mine went and watched Nope recently and he is a very big Mars Attacks fan and he said there were so many parallels between Mars Attacks and Nope that he adored. So I'm very excited for that. Hopefully I might see Nope in between now and then as well. Um, But we will be back next, well, next fortnight actually, Craig. So in two weeks' time with our Mars Attacks episode. Boom. So... From all of us Here From First of the Last Podcast. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Greg Killian. And we'll catch you next week. Adios.